0: This podcast was produced by FM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air.
1: The young, shining cuckoo is fed by its foster parents on insects and spiders. But the korimako, or bellbird, has a much more interesting diet of nectar. It's been something of a radio personality, and has sung on shortwave radio to Australia and the Pacific nations for 30 years. However, the early recordings failed to reflect the versatility of the bellbird with its wide variety of liquid notes and artistically placed clicks and bell-like sounds. It's not surprising that Maori mythology describes Korimako, the bell bird, as the messenger of Tane, sent to herald the coming of the sun.
2: Good day, friends. Welcome to Community or Chaos. Today we have Tirina Crystal-Warren, who is a lecturer at the, in English and Maori language, and she's in, been engaged in Maori iwi activities and Maori education and the evolution of Maori tikanga and the contemporary application is a key theme of her research. She is a PhD candidate investigating the impact of the internet on Tikana Mari. Well, welcome to the show. And friends, you can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and then going to community or chaos. Anytime in the at the end of this week, you should be able to podcast this program and anything we've done this year. Welcome to Community or Chaos, Trina. How are you? Kia I'm good, thank you. Could you talk about your commitment to Maori culture in Aotearoa, New Zealand?
0: Um, sure. So, I was um, born and bred in a little town called Taihapi on the... Um, State Highway One, um, most people know as a uh, gumboot, as a gumboot capital, and I grew up um, there as a descendant of um, the people um, of of those lands. So Ngati Tamaki, Ngati Fetai Ngati Ngati and I um, grew up basically um, spending a lot of time with my grandmother and spending a lot of time um, at our local um, marae. As I um, got older, I went to a Māori boarding school, St Joseph's Māori Girls College um, in Napier and um, and then I went to university in Palmerston North um, was actively, remained actively involved um, with my iwi at home and uh, with our marae and I um, learnt te reo uh, Māori through school and through university and then when I had a child I um, made a commitment to um, to kōhangareo, so the movement of language revitalisation. So my child is a graduate of kōhangareo, she then um, progressed on to kura kaupapa Māori, so primary um, school education in uh, Te Reo Māori, and then she completed her secondary school study um, at the at a in Palmerston North um, at te Kura Kaupapa Māori or Manatamariki. So she finished her secondary school um, completely um, immersed in the Māori language. And um, during that time, I uh, completed uh, my degree um, at Massey University in um, in Māori studies and also in mathematics and then went on to complete a um, Master's in um, Development Studies and it was at that time that our people at home were um, re-establishing um, a, a customary governance system or Vrūnanga and I became um, involved in the development and re-establishment of vrunanga, um at home in Mōkwai Pātea, so in the central North Island um, So this whole time kind of had Engaged on all these different um, Spaces Māori spaces And always looking at how I can best Contribute to the development And the realisation of the aspirations Of our people When I finished um, My study I then uh, worked in A um, tirunanga O Ngāti Raukawa is a researcher working alongside Māori youth um, to assist them in learning about about research and how that can be um, applied to their health and wellbeing, so to their, um, to their holder. And, um, and then was fortunate enough to uh, be offered a lectureship um, at Massey University in the, it was then the College of Education. Um, and so, kind of progressed my teaching um, and workspace into um, advancing um, further the aspirations of our of our people through tertiary education. Um, so, currently teaching mathematics um, in Te Reo Māori and teaching into a Māori immersion teaching program called uh, Te Aho and, um, and then kind of got interested in or Um, in some way involved in um, teaching mainstream courses at the university um, on the politics of education and so through this kind of whole time my commitment um, to the Māori culture or to Te Ao Māori has been firmly rooted in um, in where I come from and who I am um, and my people and in our desires um, to make positive contributions to to community. So I I kind of have a, a broad, I suppose, portfolio um, of of investments, um, but always looking at um, the you know the kind of the foundation is the expression of who we are as Māori and how we can make positive change in the world.
2: All right, you were. To- conference on democracy and um, the age of social media the uh, new echo systems democracy put on by peace and conflict studies you were zo- zoomed into it could you talk about you mentioned the fact that you were concerned about young people's experience on social media and how did that cause you to think about technology and culture
0: Yes, um, absolutely. I was um, invited to to speak uh, the area of technology, particularly um, the internet and online engagement, is the subject um, of my PhD study. And um, how that come about was that um, as a mother um, watching my child grow up. Um, kind of between these um, three cultures I would say um, so the Māori culture and um, her being at immersion school and maintaining connections to our marae and to our iwi at home uh, and, then, um, and then seeing how she engaged um, in the wider world and then all of a sudden kind of um, technology was thrown into the mix and it was just a really interesting process of um, watching her and how she engaged in the online media space, and that for me raised a lot of a lot of questions about how how um, culture or or not is um, trends transformed and translated into an online space. And I saw a particular characteristic um, of young people, because obviously um, her friends, um, a lot of them were also um, at Kura And I kind of watched that there were some characteristics that were displayed in the online space that were... um, hegemonic and so they didn't fully reflect a Māori worldview or a Māori cultural system and this kind of made me wonder about what was happening in the online space and in particular with a high level of engagement so for example um, you get to and you get to I suppose be whoever you want in the online space whatever character you wish to to portray, and my concern was about um, if we are easily assimilated into these spaces. Where does our culture fit in there? And it was really intriguing to see that perhaps in those moments, um, that cultural frames weren't being um, transferred into those. Um, into those spaces. So it was just kind of little things, watching my daughter and her friends engage on social media, that uh, made me think and wonder about how it is that culture is being expressed or how it is that culture is being um, looked after and nurtured in those spaces.
2: Do you believe that... um the heavy use of online social media may affect how we see ourselves and other people because I suspect this doesn't just affect Maori culture and indigenous culture but all the older cultures including Pakeha culture and uh, established communities and and the idea that I, I suspect it increases our sense of individual autonomy and individualism those to uh, who we are as a collective people
0: a- absolutely absolutely and I think um, I'm I also draw on uh, some of the work of um, of my best friend Veronica Tafi who looks at notions of citizenship and she's been um, her PhD explores um, the teaching and the pedagogy around um indigenous notions of indigenous citizenship but when I look at her work I see that kind of idea of citizenship right that can be explored in the um, in the digital space so what does it mean to be a digital citizen um and then if we look at the ideas underpinning citizenship I feel like um, too often we are focused on the rights of the citizen and um, and even in an everyday society where we're strongly focused on the rights of the citizen and we quite often forget that being a citizen also comes with responsibilities and obligations to be citizens of our communities um, of our towns of our country um, and indeed citizens of the world and so um, that I suppose does give some premise to you know well what does it look like to be a citizen in a digital space and then what does it look like to be a um, an indigenous citizen in a digital in a digital space? So I feel like absolutely there are um, things that are amplified um, and individualized more in those spaces and we forget uh, that, we are all, you know, citizens um, of different spaces and different places, and indeed we are all, the internet obviously provides, it, uh, provides us with a great platform to express how we are now digital um, citizens of the world through those digital spaces. So um, absolutely I feel like um, there is definite impacts, and I think I just watched a, um, I've been, watching the documentaries that come out in digital spaces um, recently, I just watched one on the advent of um, online dating and people talking about the impacts uh, that it has had, positive and negative, in in those spaces and the um, disconnect, I suppose, or recreation of social relationships that, that digital spaces allow to um, to occur, and that it then comes down to um, individual choice as to how you are going to um, engage in those spaces. So, that has kind of been um, a really interesting insight, further insight into how the digital spaces are impacting all peoples in all spaces.
2: Does this encourage, do you think this encourages people to think that they have to make up their own mind and? they don't maybe lose the emphasis uh, to consult the people around them, the people closest to them about their choices.
0: I, I feel like it, ultimately it does come down to um, an, indi- an individual choice, but I've for many years now um, long advocated for um, better recreation of sense of community sense of responsibility and obligation to um, to communities. So when I look at just everyday um, issues, whether this is around um, housing or it's around water or whether it's around incarceration rates I f- and health, I feel like there is more work to be done on setting a foundation where people feel like they can be positive contributors to uh, to their society to their worlds which has these kind of linked ongoing um, impacts or outcomes um, for people And so I just feel like the um, the digital space is uh, somewhat amplifying. And I guess that's where we come with a with the uh, with the conference, you know, that echo chamber. Like it, it becomes the space where particular things get amplified. And so, um, if people don't feel um, a strong sense of of personal identity, um, personal manner, um, personal integrity, then I then I would I would say that the um, online space allows those types of things to be to be amplified and of course we kind of have seen a lot of those negative outcomes of exactly those things with the rise of um of qAnon and other spaces um as I watch I think there was something on, on the news last night um about that so I feel like there has to be a lot of work done in real time face to face in, um, in developing strong um, citizens of our communities first, because then when they engage in these other spaces, they take um, that same character with them. Or that's what I am assuming. Or that's what I would hope, anyway.
2: The producers of new technology often say that technology and progress is a result of some sort of natural law and it's predestined. There is no, you can't oppose it. You can't change it. You just have to accept it. Well, if I look at technology over the last couple of hundred years, for instance, the, the community used to weave cloth in Great Britain or England and Scotland and Ireland. Uh, they did a good job of weaving cloth, and they weren't you know, consulted when the, all the weaving went into factories. Now, certainly it was more efficient, and maybe it was faster, but it also gave the factory owners control over the labor, and also gave them cheap labor, and so it wasn't a totally disinterested uh, emphasis. It wasn't the technology wasn't totally disinterested, and the people that produced it didn't weren't disinterested. They they benefited, and they also controlled it. So, should we actually be consulted and be interested about the introduction of new technology? Be and its uses before it's introduced.
0: I I, I would say absolutely. Um, so we're kind of talking about two um, ends of the spectrum here. When 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 I say this, so in the first instance, for example, you know examples of technology and how those impacted um, the Māori world was. Um, in early European contact, the introduction of the nail, for example, we don't sure. view that as a technology anymore, but it definitely was then. And the gains that um, that the Māori world made from the introduction of of the nail, when you think about building, um, when you think about carving, um, so there was a whole lot of of, of benefits um, for the introduction of those things. And um, and also clothing. Um, that is one of my foundational, I suppose, reference points um, in my PhD, is that the introduction of clothing, for example, into the Māori world, led us to a space where by the 1980s there was only a handful of people who still knew how to make customary garments in a customary way. So uh, very clearly that example when we we picked up new technology as in um, European clothing we picked it up very quickly Um, we stopped producing garments in a customary uh, fashion and to the point where there was only a handful of people who still had that knowledge about how our ancestors how our tūpuna had um, customarily produced um, items of clothing and Um, And that realisation that there's only a handful of people left and now we're about to lose all of this cultural knowledge um, right from um, the production, right from the the harvesting, the growing and the harvesting of the materials to the actual production of the materials, that has led to a resurgence of, um, of customary... Um, clothing making so fara um, whāraki, also kiti. so now we're at a point where you can learn those skills uh, at a class uh, particularly um, at a wānanga Te wānanga Aotearoa or, or one of the other um, wānanga, raukawa or awanui arangi, um, in particular and also whānau who are now developing their skills within their families so I feel like um there definitely most definitely was a time when the advance or the uptake of technology uh, was so kind of quick and and not and no one really thought about what the future um outcomes or what the future impacts were going to be and so that that is a really good reminder to me that if we quickly uptake new technology, there is the uh, possibility of having impacts on other Māori knowledges, Māori knowledge systems and Māori processes. So that's kind of, you know, one end of of the technology, absolutely. And I feel like this would be something um, that has been an issue in many other cultures and societies around the world as well, given that you um, spoke about clothing. And then at the other end of the spectrum, um, when we talk about this advance of technology, I'm aware that recently there was a hui called in um, Wairua over um, over the rocket company that um, that is there. So, of course, you know, they're advancing are making technological advances in the area of um, rocket development, rocket manufacturing, rocket launching. I, I don't actually know this this area, um, the technicalities of well, it. It'll help
2: uh, the, the United States and other superpowers uh, yes. aim and uh, use their n- nuclear technology. Yes, I mean, absolutely, uh, absolutely.
0: And so at the other end, at this end of, of you know, in, in I mean contemporary
2: it, You know, people say it's all right because it's gonna make us money. Well there must be something else in the world that we need to worry about besides money.
0: Absolutely. And so I um your you know, your question about do we need to be um um involved in in this Um, uptake or decision making around technology I feel like today um, the Rocket Mm. um, company is an absolutely um, great example of where people do need to be involved Mm. because that type of technology has real impacts uh, not just on us and the communities who, who surround that business but like you say the um, the uses of those technology and the impacts that it that it, it could potentially have on families, on cities and towns, on countries, um, is absolutely outside, I think, of um, the scope of our value systems. And the and really,
2: challenges our nuclear free policy, really.
0: Absolutely, and also our um, surveillance. Um, policies and um, and also our um, stance on um, you know on, on being not being antagonistic and uh, being helpful in the world where you know this is where our military has been deployed in several other places, more as support systems or monitoring um, or monitoring and helping. Um, cities, countries, towns um, around the world, and I feel like this is a a, a move towards um, something that is in opposition. I feel to national values, but also is in opposition to um, to Maori um, core values. And as a company um, that is creating technology on the lands of Indigenous peoples. Um, absolutely we do not support um, the harm, the potential harm that those could, could cause to other peoples and other nations.
2: Is this a good reason for communities and our education system in general thinking about how we approach technology and a sort of not just individual responsibility, but maybe a collective responsibility for the uses of technology.
0: It, absolutely. I, I feel like, um, you know, all aspects of our um, society should be, we should take a collective responsibility for those things. Um, when there are uh, decisions made that affect um, collectives, then um, it, it it does hark back to that you know to the idea of um, of being good citizens, and being good citizens means that you um, are act in a way that is beneficial to to a collective, not just. For individual gain, and that being a citizen of any society also means that you have res- clear responsibilities to positively contribute to that society, and you also have clear obligations to positively contribute to to that society. It's not just all about um, all about whites, and so I, I would I would agree.
2: We're going to play some music now, and then we'll come back.
1: Every small corner of paradise And though the battle has cost her In health and in friends I know that if she had to She'd do it all again For nothing worth saving Easy or free Nothing worth fighting for Comes with a guarantee That you're gonna win My friend Without sacrifice For if something's worth saving There's always a prize now I know a young girl who changed herself to a tree on a lovely green island where the wild rivers run free Spent a night in the jail cell Hungry, frightened and cold, for something we're saving. When she was 16 years old For nothing worth saving Comes easy or free Nothing worth fighting for Comes with a guarantee That you're gonna win, my friend Without sacrifice For somethings we're saving There's always a price Someday you may be called on To stand up and fight For what you believe in What you know to be right So fight or surrender One day you might have to choose But just remember If you don't fight you lose For nothing worth saving Comes easy or free Nothing worth fighting for Comes with a guarantee That you're going to win, my friend, without sacrifice. For if something's worth saving, there's always a price. Yes, if something's worth saving, there's always a price.
2: That was... Eric Bogle, and nothing worth saving comes without sacrifice, without a price. We're talking with Tarina Crystal Warren about uh, technology and its effect on culture, and you can podcast this program later in the week, and anything else we've done by going to oar.org.nz and then going to um, podcasts and then going to Community Chaos. We've been talking about technology and at the conference on um, uh, the age of democracy and the age of social media, two young people, I would say that probably were in their late teens, talked about the benefits of social online media and how they connected better and felt positive about using it. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of online media and how do young people see it as perhaps differently than I might see it?
0: Absolutely, I think think young people see everything much differently to how I (laughs) see and view the world. Um, Yes, those young people were amazing in how they were using the online platform to connect to each other, to create, um, to raise awareness and to create change in the community. I I think they were a great example of how we can use um, technology to assist us in creating positive change. There are absolutely um, advantages of uh, the online space, especially when it comes to connecting with people. Um, I, for example, have watched my 14-year-old nephew and my seven-year-old niece literally grow up um, via... Chinggis, it was Skype back then. That was before we had uh, Facebook Messenger and Zoom. and I literally have watched them grow up in Australia um, via, so you know, via the online space. So absolutely provides multitude um, of advantages when it comes uh, to connecting, and um, and love the the potentials um, or the potential for those online spaces to to make those positive contributions, like uh, like the young people we're talking about at the at the conference um, and what i have seen in uh, looking over in over the research is that there's quite a big focus on what are the advantages of of using these spaces and so while they are awesome um there are also some disadvantages of uh, of those online spaces such as uh, social media so um i think that those are the areas that while we kind of advance in one space I f- we should be addressing some of those some of those disadvantages at uh, at the same time so generically we have things like uh trolling we have things like um and the creation of echo chambers which i think people spoke about in terms of um, conspiracy theories and conspiracy groups and how people can um, quickly engage in those in those spaces to a heightened mm. level. Uh, so there are absolute... The problem um, once you
2: get engaged, you get more and more um, information, or in the case of many conspiracy theories, disinformation yes. into your platform. So the more you... If you are not careful the more you engage the more different information you get as well as information
0: yes yes ab- absolutely and
2: in fact um, they target it because it helps sell the product which is the product is the number of people online and the amount of information that google or facebook has about us that's how they sell their advertising
0: Yes, yes, and this is one of the um, you know the disadvantages that comes out, and there has been a growing um, conversation in terms of data sovereignty, for example, which is particularly. Um, important for indigenous and minority um, groups the um, the protection of, of your data. And my understanding is that data sovereignty actually grew out of the collection of government information and government statistics, and a call for more transparency and access um, of indigenous communities, um, and particularly here in Aotearoa, for example, the access of Māori to the data that was being kept um, about them and um, it had the potential to make huge positive um, contributions if Māori could access data that the government held about Māori um, citizens. So, for example, if, um, if a Māori health provider was able to access health statistics, generic health statistics not necessarily naming you know obviously privacy and that but being able to access particular statistics on what um what needs we're seeing through the statistics in different communities then they would be better equipped to provide a service that met those needs however um the government was very maybe they still are, because I think the project is ongoing, um, very guarded about the information that it had collected about its citizens. So even census data, for example, we only get feedback, kind of the the broad, you know, generic stuff, and there are, um, there is a whole lot of other information which could be, have been collected we're not, um, entirely sure, neither do we have access to it. So there are always um, those issues. Isn't this
2: a, really important that we actually know what people know about us? I mean, um, and the people, some of the people who have brought this out has paid a very high price.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And that this is one of the... Um, you know, this is one of those double-edged swords that I think um, Lana Lopez was talking about at at the conference. You know, this double-edged sword around the positives and the negatives that come with engaging in this space. So uh, there's this collection of, of this information. For example, through Facebook, we sign up to... You know, we give the okay for that type of information to be collected and to be passed on to you know to whomever, and um and quite often, you know, with the amount of of those type of um, consents that we're giving, quite often people aren't.
2: Well, we don't understand what fine. we're doing. I mean, yes. have to. I don't really understand the privacy uh, guarantees.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
2: You know, hundred, you know, hundreds of pages long often.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we just quickly tick, yes, agree to the terms and conditions or whatever, may or may not have read all of them, may or may not have understood them. And then we continue to use that platform in the way that we would like to and we are unsure as to how much information has actually been Collected by us, so I feel I, I think that data sovereignty has moved from kind of localized collection of knowledge, government um, government data, and is now been able to um, be expressed or extended into this online space, which is uh, I, I think is. A whole can of worms (laughs) Um, when it comes to looking at um, at data protection and data sovereignty in the online space.
2: When I think of so-called computer or uh, intelligence. I think it's a misnomer in some ways. If we see consciousness as just a result of chemical binary, binary re- uh, reactions, computer-like algorithms, could this change how we see and value human beings? I mean, it really seems to me has, that you, we should look at the future by looking at the past and seeing how we value or devalue people of. For instance, slaves, and for instance, uh, working people in large factories and other places that if we see people in a certain light, we may tend not to value humanity in the way we ought to
0: i i would I would agree um, and what we see out of uh, documentaries. For example, like um, like the social network one, talking about um, the application of computer algorithms to um, to predict and to analyse people's character, people's nature, um, and also their responses uh, through social networks um, through computer data that's been collected, then i um i agree we start to see um people as mini computers and while in some respects or most respects maybe um that that can be true um the the idea that has been applied i i think through uh, through the social media networks is um is absolutely um one that does not Value the all of the finer nuances of what it means to be a human, and I and I would say that in doing so um, is actually a process of dehumanisation and um, not treating so not treating people like humans. For example, with uh, you raised the um, point of slavery, you know that was a dehumanising um, process. Um, in our history, and um, and from a Māori cultural perspective, looking to our past and drawing narratives and learnings from our past is a huge um, part and foundation of um, of the Māori world and how we view uh, the Māori world. So, absolutely, looking at our looking back to our history to to see what we can learn from those things to be then apply um, more. A more positive um, direction and positive values um, is, is I think, uh, absolutely, you know, absolutely um, necessary. And if I can just kind of jump back to the po- advantages and disadvantages for a moment in um, in social media, one of the thing thoughts that I did have was that I remember at a conference I was I was early in, in my PhD um, journey and I had a group of um, of Kuya, so elderly woman, uh, Maori woman who were, who'd who come to listen to my presentation, which I was totally ripped, that they um, thought that they would come along and they were, Telling me during the presentation that they had their grandchildren, their mukapuna had just signed them onto onto Facebook, and how great it was that they could now engage with them in that space and and see photos of what they're up to and and share um, snippets of their day. And, um, and so they were very pro, you know, the online space. And my question to them was, um, you know, that is amazing. I absolutely see all these advantages, um, but nobody has done research on if they are now engaging with you in that space, for example, does that mean that they no longer visit you or has have, have their face-to-face visits decreased because now they can just send you a message? And it was at that point at which they all kind of stopped, and we're like, "Yeah, actually, I, I don't know either." So this is kind of what I see: is we need to take the, the great, either the absolutely awesome, and we need to see actually what are the unintended impacts um, on daily um, on daily living that happen here. And I and I also feel like that is one of those um, those messages to if we start to see people just as um, as, al- as algorithm operations, you know, at what part do we stop engaging with them as human beings um, on a face-to-face um, level? And of course, in our cultural and um, Māori cultural narrative, there is a huge um, emphasis on the um, on on the transfer of energy that happens in a face-to-face encounter with somebody. So we talk about Modi, we talk about wairua, we talk about this whole other interaction that happens on an energetic level when you are face-to-face with somebody, and I feel like that is probably one of the human interactions. You're talking about
2: our spirituality, aren't you? Human spirituality. Yes.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Spirituality and and you know and kind of more from that because research is also there's a whole lot of research out there that shows that physical touch you know can release endorphins the the act of a hug has a huge impact on the physical body, the mind and therefore the well being so you know there's this whole other level of um, of engagement as humans that we require or that is beneficial to us that is. Um, And when we look at people like, um, you know, from an algorithmic perspective, kind of does not take any of that into account.
2: We really, don't we really have to think about what it is to be human in order to actually decide what kind of technology we want and what direction and how to use it. We have to we have to value ourselves and other human beings in order to make those gestures, don't we?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, th- this is th- this is my personal thing. I think absolutely, and also from a um, when you look at our Māori cultural narratives, when we talk about um, the gift that it is to be human, to be born, um, to be of this world, and therefore, uh, what are our what is our ongoing contribution um, to to positive advancements for for mm. humankind for people and and we know these because in our narratives, for example, we have um, the the narrative of the creation of the world, so um, Ranginui, um and Papa and the separation of them in the. Advance into um, into enlightenment or, or the world of light, and then the advent of, of humankind. So we have all of these cultural narratives that identify for us that this is um, an an essential uh, part of of who we are and where we've yeah. come from. When you look back into our into our history and the struggles that we undertaken in order to get us to you know into this particular. Um, point in time, but also those narratives talk about the importance of um, of your kin, um, whether that is whether that is human, but also our um, our kinship relationships to the natural world. So um, you know, technology has a huge impact on on the environment, for example, the um, the production of. Mm of metal and cables that require our technology uh to function and um and how and how are these now being recycled with the huge um production of of technological items and are they even recyclable um so there's also like a huge footprint that is left Mm. environmentally and from a Māori cultural um, perspective when it when we talk about being human it means looking mm. after all of our um, all of our kin all of our relations mm. and that includes our our relations in the natural world
2: we didn't ask to be born it's a gift to be born really I mean that life is a gift isn't it in a way and the, the world uh, the beauty of the world the life of the world is a gift it seems to me that we should be grateful for that, and consi- we consider climate change, we consider technology, and how we live our lives as a community, maybe we should, maybe gratitude should be thrown in there. Uh,
0: ab- absolutely, a- absolutely. I think that anything that um, that gets us to refocus as societies, as communities, as um, as human beings, that gets us to focus on um, collective benefit, not just individual gain, but benefit for the collective. I mean, we look at the, um, you know, the team of five million, right? That was a that was a collective um, sacrifice or process that was engaged in for the betterment of everybody, and. Um, and you may have had, you know, you may have had the um, people here and there who, who weren't who weren't agreeable to it, but that whole idea, I've just really found that um, COVID, I feel, brought a whole um, range of things to the surface and allowed us to kind of reprioritize maybe what it is, and so um, humanity within that process. Um, what I saw in, in Aotearoa uh, was definitely a refocus on collective collective benefit and looking after each other.
2: Well, thank you very much for coming on. And I've, you've really given us a lot to think about. And I know I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much. Kia ora. Kia ora.